The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. You're listening to Halftime Report in progress. 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 I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. You know, there are certain rights that I think it is it is frankly dangerous um, to send them back to the states. Right. Um, um, and so that's one of the things that we're going to see with abortion, uh, this this patchwork. Um, perhaps we would see a patchwork in some other areas as well. And I think marriage is probably um, it's probably the one that is sort of least easy to tackle at this point in terms of the court. So I don't think that's where anybody um, would start, even though Justice Thomas has give, opened the door to that. Um, I think there are other things that are much easier to attack, um, including contraception um, right. um, and other sorts of issues like that. Kimberly Mutcherson for the conversation and the insight. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. It's Thank you. Noon, it's noon on the East Coast, 9 a.m. on the West Coast. I'm Shepard Smith at CNBC Global Headquarters, and this is continuing coverage of the Supreme Court's ruling in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health, which has now also overturned Roe v. Wade and put the question of abortion in the hands of the states. On the market front, we're a broad rally throughout the day. The S&P 500 up, the Dow up, all up more than 2%. Uh, It's been across the board, really, throughout the session. The gains started early and have maintained. Uh, The Supreme Court ruling had no effect, not that anyone suspected that it would, but it has had no effect on the markets. The inflation pressure has seemed to have lessened just a little bit. The jobs numbers are good. Uh, Consumer sentiment is historically horrible, but the markets are apparently ignoring that. And, of course, we'll have full market coverage after we hear from the politicians coming up here. Uh, Just so you know, we're expecting Republican leaders on the Hill to speak in just a moment. We have a podium shot for them, it's my understanding. We were given word about an hour or so, maybe an hour and 15 minutes or so ago. We heard from the House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. We were then informed that we would hear from, from the other side shortly. Let's listen to Pete Williams right now abortion, according to the Supreme Court, this is the first time in history that the Supreme Court has ever granted a right that is widely recognized and then taken away. It's it's technically speaking not the first time the court has ever granted a right and taken it away, but it's the first time it's ever done that for a right that had widespread public support and was widely recognized. So it's now up to the states to decide whether to make abortion illegal. And by our count, roughly half the states will do so. Thirteen of those states already have laws on the book, uh, so-called trigger laws, that make abortion illegal if the court ever were to overturn Roe and Casey. Missouri is already the first of the states to, to take that action. As of today, the attorney general of Missouri says abortion is now illegal in that state. The majority opinion was written by Justice Samuel Alito. It closely tracks with the leaked opinion that came out in May that was actually drafted in February that said Roe was egregiously wrong. 
that there's no constitutional right to abortion in the Constitution, and the only way a constitutional right can be derived from the Constitution's 14th Amendment if it is, is, if it is deeply rooted in the nation's history and traditions and part of the concept of ordered liberty. Roe flunks that test, the court said. There is no requirement in the Supreme Court's decision today for states to make an exception in their laws banning abortion for rape and incest. It doesn't say they have to, it doesn't say they can't, but the dissenters point out today that that is a, a big problem with the majority opinion. Justice Kavanaugh says he believes in joining the majority that the states cannot restrict travel. Now that's only his opinion, but because he's one of the five Without him, it'd only be four. It wouldn't be a majority. So that opinion has controlling force. So by Justice Kavanaugh's logic, states cannot restrict travel. They cannot make it illegal for women to go from a state that bans abortion to a state that doesn't in order to receive the care. Uh, that's a point that Attorney General Merrick Garland has made in a statement. He says states shouldn't be able to do that. And he also says under the First Amendment, people should be free to get counsel about reproductive care that's available in other states. That shouldn't be illegal. The dissenters, Justice Stephen Breyer, Sonia Sotomayor, and Elena Kagan, filed a long and impassioned joint dissent. And let me just summarize what they say. They say the Supreme Court says that from the very moment of fertilization, a woman has no rights to speak of. A state can force her to bring a pregnancy to term even at the steepest personal and familial cost, Lester. That's Pete Williams speaking, uh, reporting for a number of our networks at the same time. We're expecting Republicans to come to the podium in Washington in just a matter of seconds, actually. And while we wait for them, I've just gotten this from the uh, conservative Mississippi Attorney General Lynn Fitch, uh, who's been the attorney general there for a while and is from the northern Mississippi town of Holly Springs. She writes this, Today marks a new era in American history and a great day for the American people. Roe v. Wade is now behind us, consigned to the list of infamous cases that collapsed under the weight of their errors. This decision is a victory not only for women and children, but for the court itself. I, Lynn Fitch, the attorney general of Mississippi, commend the court for restoring constitutional principle and returning this important issue to the American people. Elise Stefanik, or I was there at least, speaking now for Republicans on the Hill. Let's listen. Ranking member of Energy and Commerce, Kathy McMorris-Rogers. First of all, I thank God for this yeah. day. Yeah. Thank God that his mercies are new each day, and he is the giver of life. And I ask for the next 50 years and beyond, in our country, how are we going to define the greatest human rights issue of our generation? This Supreme Court decision marks a chance for us to restore hope, restore hope and healing to every family in this country, moms and children at every stage of life. And may it begin with each one of us doing our part to protect and celebrate all life in this greatest experiment in ever, greatest experiment in self-governance that the world has ever known. However, Speaker Pelosi and the Democrats are forcing an extreme agenda on America through their Abortion on Demand Until Birth Act. It would nationalize abortion all across this nation, making America just as radical as China and North Korea. It legalizes discriminatory abortions at every stage based upon sex, race, or disability. It overrides state laws that protect women from coercion. There's no part of this that celebrates the life, the dignity, the value of every 
life. I think about my friend, Chloe. Chloe is a beautiful, smart young lady with Down syndrome. And at 18, she's appeared before the UN twice and spoken. And she, and she told the world, embrace, don't erase Down syndrome. She's helped pass laws at the state level that would make sure that parents, when they receive that prenatal diagnosis of having a child, a baby with Down syndrome, that they would actually get accurate information as to the potential of that life. Democrats want to eliminate laws like Chloe's. We must stand together and say, enough. The court affirmed today that every life is worth living. My hope, my prayer is that America will reclaim our identity as a nation whose God-given rights are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness Amen. for all. And I'm pleased to introduce a gentleman who's made it his life's mission to protect life and reclaim life in America, Chris Smith, gentleman from New Jersey. Thank you so much. Uh, today, ladies and gentlemen, is a brand new opportunity to defend the weakest and most vulnerable from the violence of abortion. And that includes the baby and the mother, the co-victim of every abortion. For decades, right up to this very moment, abortion advocates have gone to extraordinary lengths to ignore, trivialize, and cover up the battered baby victim. They've aggressively fostered a culture of denial, disrespect, a culture of death, and a bias against babies. You know, back in 1973, the Supreme Court, uh, in an infamous decision called Roe versus Wade, which you all know about, said we need not resolve the difficult question of when human life begins. They sidestepped it and then legalized abortion throughout pregnancy. Justice Byron White at the Times called that an exercise in raw judicial power. The Alito uh, majority opinion issued today, just a couple of hours ago, at long last recognizes the need for elected representatives at the local and federal level to take the action to, about abortion. Hopefully it'll be on the side of protection, and then, but as Kathleen Morris Rogers said a moment ago, there is a bill pending right now that is an existential threat to the lives and dignity of unborn children. It would allow abortion right to birth and would eviscerate every single modest pro-life policy from, from women's right to no laws uh, to parental notification statutes throughout the entire country. It passed the House last September. Uh, every one of us voted and spoke against it, and it's pending in the Senate. So while this is a major step forward, uh, it, is, it also means that we're in an area where we've got to fight even harder to defend these innocent children. And again, as I think all of you know, with ultrasound, the visibility of an unborn child is more apparent than ever before. Uh, the other side says it's not a human being. Well, what is it that you're watching? When, when mothers give birth to a new baby, what, uh, long before that, what are the pictures that are on the refrigerator? The pictures of the ultrasound of that unborn child. Birth is an event that happens to each and every one of us. It's not the beginning of life, and we want to protect all life from womb to tomb. Thank you. My honor to introduce Ann Wagner, uh, who's the prime sponsor of the Born Alive Act. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I am. I'm Ann Wagner, and I represent Missouri's second congressional district. And I will say today, as a mother and a, a grandmother, I am so incredibly grateful and gratified that the Supreme Court has finally overturned Roe versus Wade. This is an historic moment for families, for mothers, and for the precious unborn children who cannot protect themselves. Today, we do give voice to the voiceless. 
I have always been clear that every child deserves a chance to live. I will always stand for life. And I am hopeful that the state legislatures across the country will take action and swiftly pass protections for our vulnerable babies. The Democrats' radical pro-abortion agenda has been forced on Americans for four far too long, nearly 50 years. Democrats, as has been stated in the U.S. House and Senate, support abortion on demand up to the moment of birth and even the minute after, at taxpayers' expense. That position is simply unconscionable and incompatible with the views of most Americans. This decision is a victory for the pro-life movement and for the generations, generations of Americans who never gave up hope. People like my mother-in-law, Loretta Wagner, who started this in 1973, founded in Missouri Right to Life, uh, a pregnancy center called Our Ladies Inn, the March for Life on state capitol, helped write the Hyde Amendment with Henry Hyde. It is generations of Americans who are so happy that, um, uh, that they haven't or never gave up hope, that's what I would say, that the Supreme Court would do what is right and return this issue to the states. It will save countless innocent lives. We are entering a new era of freedom, of freedom for the unborn, and I am proud to have always been on the side of pro my pro-life brothers and sisters who stand here with me today and all across America. We always knew we would realize true freedom for all Americans. I thank you, and it is my pleasure and my honor to introduce a pro-life advocate, gentlelady from Minnesota, Michelle Fishbach. A reminder, Republican leaders speaking now live on Capitol Hill. In a moment, the President of the United States is to address, and we'll have that live for you as well. A day that pro-lifers have been waiting for for 49 years. Today's Supreme Court decision was a step to protect the most precious and basic right, the right to life. Roe versus Wade was unconstitutional. The pro-life community has always known this. Every innocent life is precious from conception until natural death. But for nearly five decades, abortion has remained one of the biggest tra tragedies of our nation. Roe put judges in charge of abortion policy, imposing laws legislated by unelected judges that left Americans with no voice. Now, the American people will be able to decide the issue of abortion through their elected officials. This is what democracy looks like. Elected leaders accountable to the people they represent that propose and pass laws that people support. The Constitution gives the people this job, and the people are ready to protect life. Thank you very much, and it is my honor to, in to introduce Representative Julia Letlow. I want to begin today by recognizing the historic significance of this one moment in time. Today's ruling is an answer to prayers and a shining beacon of hope for the American people. We are here because of nearly five decades, our strong pro-life advocates never wavered in their commitment for life. This journey has had many, many ups and downs, but they never gave up. 
Their faith and perseverance has been our movement's guiding light. We are here today because of them. This is their day, their victory, one I never thought I would see in my lifetime. And our country owes them a tremendous debt of gratitude. When we talk about what we have fought for, it is this simple truth. Every soul is precious and deserves life. As a mom, I can tell you the bond that grows between you and your child over those nine months is a sacred miracle. It is something you feel in every moment, from the second you find out you're expecting to months later when you watch your precious and innocent child take those first beautiful breaths. While today is a monumental win for the unborn, I would like to note that being pro-life is about more than saving a child's life. It's a commitment to supporting our mothers. As policymakers, we must work together to bring forward legislation that helps families build nurturing home environments where children thrive and build healthy and happy lives. In today's ruling, the Supreme Court made the right decision by moving this debate to where it belongs, in the hands of the people's representatives. And while we know that much work lies ahead, let us take this moment and honor this history that we are witnessing in our own moment in time. Years from now, we will tell our children and grandchildren about the day when the United States finally and firmly stood for life. Thank you, and I yield to my new member, Representative Myra Flores from Texas. Alleluia. I woke up this morning praying for this, and I never thought that it would happen. This was a big win, not only for South Texas, because we are pro-life, somos pro-vida, but it's also a big win for our country. If we want to see real change in bringing crime down, we need to raise a generation to respect life in the wound. Esta victoria es para nuestra comunidad hispana. Y si tanto orgullo tenemos de nuestra leaders, gente. Uh, House of Representatives and beyond speaking in Washington, uh, their excitement over an issue on which they have been firm and steadfast and, and pushing for a long time. You heard the previous representatives say there is still much work to be done, and that goes to the suggestions today from many of our analysts and insiders that it is the goal of the right to create laws, federal laws, that would prohibit abortion nationwide. Of course, that would require change in Washington because that's not something Democrats would be doing. But since we've been listening to the Republican lawmakers, we're going to listen to the demonstrators a little bit in Washington. And it's our understanding about 12 minutes from now, we're here live from the President of the United States to, to the Supreme Court now, uh, where proponents of safe and legal abortion rights are speaking. Uh, green is their color, and these are their statements. Okay, we gotta get 
Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one. Visit odfl.com to learn more. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. Yeah, the, 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 the language is not something I frankly anticipated. You know, people people's... Uh People are animated over this subject, and we, we should certainly expect, and it is the planning of ours, that people would want their voices heard in the wake, in the wake of this moment. All of the Supreme Court opinions for the session have not been issued. Uh, there were nine left at the beginning of the day. Uh, one was issued at 10 o'clock, and this one came at 10.10, which struck down Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization, uh, but it also, separately, but as part of the same opinion, overturn Roe versus Wade. Uh, Scalise is, speak, is speaking now. Steve Scalise uh, up in Washington. Let's listen. That debate was silenced during the years Roe v. Wade was the law of the land, but that debate just begins again in so many places in this country. You know, one of the most inspirational days of the year is the March for Life. It's a day where thousands of young people come to Washington, not to cause violence, but to celebrate life and to pray and work that we can end abortion in this country. Because for many of them, the first picture they have themselves is in their mother's womb. And so when we celebrate this victory, I think back to 2006 when I was a state representative in Louisiana, and I co-authored a law that I wondered if I would ever see implemented. That law says if Roe v. Wade is overturned, then abortion would end in Louisiana. It was signed by our Democrat governor, Kathleen Babineau Blanco. Because you see, life across this country has been a bipartisan battle. People in the pro-life movement have been bipartisan. When you see the debate up here, unfortunately, it's become partisan because the far left has tried to shut down this debate. But in so many states, Republicans and Democrats come together to support life. And I'm so proud to say that right now, in my state, that law from 2006, even strengthened by recent actions, will now become law today. I wondered if I would see that, but I now see that moment. And about a dozen other states are going to have their same, similar laws take effect right now on this historic day. And many other states are going to start a renewed debate that had been shut down for decades, but finally begins anew. God bless life. God answers prayers. And with that, let me bring up our leader. Kevin McCarthy. Only a few of us are speaking today. 
but I hope you acknowledge everyone who's standing behind us. I hope you acknowledge everybody who's sitting at home, saying the exact same words that we are. You know, today's Supreme Court decision in Dobbs is the most important pro-life ruling in American history. By a vote of six to three, the court affirmed that the power to protect unborn life is returned to the people and their elected representatives. The people have won a victory. The right to life has been vindicated. The voiceless will finally have a voice. This great nation can now live up to its core principle that all are created equal, not born equal, created equal. Americans celebrate this historic victory because we know it will save the lives of millions of children and it will give families hope. But as encouraging as today's decision is, our work is far from done. Americans remain one of only seven countries on earth that allow elective abortions in the third trimester. Of those seven countries that America's one of them, there's two others, China and North Korea. That is radical. The House Democrats continue to support it against the wishes of the American people. This Congress, every House Democrat has voted for extreme policies like taxpayer-funded abortion on demand until the point of birth. But Democrats' radical agenda does not have America's support. To the contrary, America rejects it because they remain committed to our values and our principles. The Supreme Court was not bullied by the far-left mob. Threats of violence against the justices did not win. And the truth is, pro-life Americans are not planning a night of rage. <laughs> the, rea the reaction to this principal decision by the court, it must be peaceful. And the DOJ must step up to protect our justices, yes. their yes. families, yes. churches, yep. and pro-life pregnancy centers from unprovoked violence. To the DOJ, do not be silent. Do not stand back and uphold the rule of law. We live in a country that is based on the dignity of all human life. With that, we'll take some questions. Yes, ma'am. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones... Our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Thomas is part of this room. 
ruling has said that he wants to read. We're expecting the president to speak in just a matter of about five minutes. I want to give you some reaction that's coming in from other quarters this this afternoon. Susan Collins of Maine has issued a statement on the Supreme Court's ruling in which she she writes, the threshold question of whether abortion is legal needs to be consistent at a national level. States can account for regional differences with regulations like parental control notifications and requirements, but the basic right needs to be the same for all American women. Susan Collins of Maine goes on, the Supreme Court has abandoned a 50-year precedent at a time that this country is desperate for stability. This ill-considered action will further divide the country at a moment when, more than ever in modern times, we need the court to show both consistency and restraint. Susan Collins writes, throwing out a precedent overnight that the country has relied upon for half a century is not conservative. It is a sudden and radical jolt to the country that will lead to political chaos, anger, and a further loss of confidence in our government. Separately, Senator Joe Manson, the Manchin, the Democrat of West Virginia, has weighed in on this as well. In a statement he writes in part, uh, 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 Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez leading the, leading the chance there. Let's listen in carefully. But there's no audio on this picture, so we'll, we'll find a camera that has audio trailing, and we'll get back to that. Joe Manchin, the Democrat of West Virginia, writes, I am deeply disappointed that the Supreme Court has voted to overturn Roe v. Wade. It has been the law of the land for nearly 50 years, and we understood it to be settled precedent. This, this part seems to be of note. I trusted Justice Gorsuch and Justice Kavanaugh when they testified under oath that they also believed Roe v. Wade was settled legal precedent, and I am alarmed that they chose to reject the stability that the ruling has provided for two generations of Americans. Manchin goes on, as a Catholic, I was raised pro-life and will always consider myself pro-life, but I have come to accept that my definition of pro-life may not be someone else's definition of pro-life. In other words, he's against the ruling as stated today. Joe Manchin, clearly one of the most powerful uh, persons in all of Washington uh, weighing in on that subject today. It's our understanding that we're about three minutes away now from the president speaking. As, as we wait, let's go to our senior White House correspondent, Eamon, Eamon Javers, who's live in Washington. I understand there's a little more context available here on Susan Collins' statement. Shep, that's absolutely right. I mean, you're looking at a statement from somebody who is, herself supports abortion rights, uh, but who also voted uh, for Gorsuch and Kavanaugh to get on the Supreme Court. And at the time, she said that she felt that uh, both men had suggested to her that Roe uh, was settled precedent uh, in an interview with CNN. Uh, she said that Kavanaugh told her, quote, under oath many times, as well as to me personally many times, he considers Roe to be precedent upon precedent because it had been reaffirmed in the Casey versus Planned Parenthood case. She also said that she didn't believe that Neil Gorsuch, who she voted to confirm, would want to overturn Roe versus Wade. She said, I had a very long discussion with Justice Gorsuch in my office, and he pointed out to me that he is a whole, he is a co-author of a whole book on precedent. Now, both men have voted to overturn the precedent that Collins says she, that she was reassured they would not do. So a lot of scrutiny now on Susan Collins, uh, whether she was misled in that moment, whether she was naive to believe those statements in the first place, uh, and how she's going to respond now. Obviously, uh, too late to take back those votes uh, to put those gentlemen uh, on the Supreme Court. But it gives you a fascinating history here of what people said uh, in their confirmation hearings and what they did uh, up at the Supreme Court today. Today, Chef.
reading a bit today, Eamon, on activists who were, you know, who were taking this, this lane of discussion, uh, the point is made repeatedly that those statements were made under oath. And, you know, so, some on the extreme suggesting maybe there's something there. That's the president's podium. Yeah. We should hear from him in a moment. Of course, that's, that's not the case, but it, it, it is a bit of a shock for some maybe who don't pay as much attention to the process as some others. Sure, it's a jarring contrast between the statements that you saw at the time and, and then what, the, what you're seeing now out of the Supreme Court. Uh, of course, it's, it's not really a case that you could apply perjury to or anything like that. It, it, this is a situation where each of those justices could say, of course, I wasn't talking about any specific case. I had no way of knowing which specific cases would come to the Supreme Court. Uh, and perhaps they changed their mind. Justices are allowed to change their mind. So uh, this is a question of whether there was a political imperative on the part of those justices in the first place uh, and whether Susan Collins believed their statements and wh whether she was naive to believe those statements. In a state like Maine, though, it's unlikely <laughs> she'll pay any particular political price for this because uh, she's navigated the waters up there for so many decades that you'd think that uh, she has a pretty good read on what's going on in her state. Eamon, thanks. We've gotten some business input, and we've been hearing a lot from conservatives over the last few minutes. Some more blue states have been weighing in. First from Bill Gates. Bill Gates writes, this is from Twitter, this is a sad day. Reversing Roe v. Wade is an unjust and unacceptable setback, and it puts women's lives at risk, especially the most disadvantaged. Again, uh, that from Bill Gates. Uh, the Connecticut governor, Ned Lamont, writes, and I'm quoting, my wife's in tears. My kids are incredibly distraught. My sister says, I thought the courts were there to protect our freedoms, not roll them back. When did the courts start rolling back our freedoms? And finally, the state of New Jersey has taken action in the last, I don't know, hour or so. In New Jersey, the state legislature codified a woman's right to an abortion in the Democratic-led state that, earlier this year. Today, Governor Phil Murphy of New Jersey said he expects women from other states to seek abortion care in New Jersey. And he said, I quote, we will stand by you in a news conference in Trenton held a short time ago, quoting now, where we can, we will act to protect the rights and privacy of any woman who comes to New Jersey from states in which their rights are now eviscerated, if not entirely erased. So the state of New Jersey offering up uh, facilities here for people who desire abortions. Amen. this one side and another side no matter how you feel about this ruling, the divisions in America are, you know, exacerbated by what we're seeing here. Shep, and now the attention turns to the president of the United States, who's going to step up to that lectern here moments, uh, moments from now in the cross hall. Uh, of course, the White House will have prepared a political statement here, a rollout uh, in terms of what they want to do with the media, how they're going to handle this uh, nationally and how they're going to handle this going into the midterm elections. We're now going to see what that political playbook is that they've concocted largely behind the scenes inside the West Wing over the past couple of weeks as this decision has become seen as more and more likely. So. We'll wait to see uh, what Biden says here. But there's no question, Shep, that this is one of those pivotal moments in a presidency. This is a society-changing decision. Uh, Joe Biden is the president of the United States as this decision is handed down. He <clears throat> is opposed to it. How he handles this moment now and the run-up to the midterms uh, will be a huge factor uh, in Joe Biden's legacy as president of the United States. It may, if you look just at the pure politics of this, leaving aside, if you can, for now, the legality and the 
morality of the decision that we saw today. Just in terms of the pure politics here, uh, there may be an opportunity here for Joe Biden to capture some momentum in terms of uh, nationwide anger of those 63 percent of Americans who did not want to see uh, Roe versus Wade overturned. Uh, that opportunity, of course, has to be weighed against all of the sensitivities of, the, of this issue uh, and, and the extreme politics uh, around this issue as well. So a challenging moment, uh, but an opportunity politically here for the president. And of course, they've been preparing for this for some time, uh, and now they're getting ready to go public with whatever it is the president's going to have to say. We've been learning, Eamon, about the particulars of the laws state to state. We'll probably all become more familiar with those over time. We've just gotten a statement from the Tennessee governor reminding us that the trigger law in the, in the volunteer state will take effect on the 30th day after the Supreme Court issues the judgment. So 30 days from today, the Tennessee law does not apply to the recipient of the abortion. Here's what the law does. It will criminalize performing or attempting to perform an abortion, except in cases where it is necessary to prevent death or serious and, and permanent bodily injury to the mother. That from the governor's office in the state of Tennessee. So each of these different laws, which have been in many cases put on the books prior to today. Pete Williams reporting earlier today that in 13 states, the trigger laws would go into effect immediately. I believe Mississippi is one of those, uh, as is Missouri, where we just heard uh, from, from the state of Missouri about the particulars of their law. And then New Jersey saying, uh, we welcome women from across the country in need of abortion services. Your rights and your privacies <clears throat> will be protected here. This, this whole the playing out of this, Eamon, uh, there's been a lot of work done on this over the past couple of months. Law enforcement agencies, government entities, churches, community organizations, and all the rest, trying to figure out how they can help people, frankly, on both sides of this issue as, as the division causes, you know, potential crisis in certain areas of the country. You know, that's right. And you talk about the potential crisis in certain areas of the country. Uh, we're just getting now a statement from the D.C. police who say that people should expect an increased visible police presence throughout the city. That obviously is a just a recognition of the the prospect of violence in American politics today and the intensity of the emotion around this decision. D.C. police rolling out now a visible police presence throughout the city. We heard Kevin McCarthy, uh, the Republican leader just a short time ago, also make a reference to this, saying he wants the DOJ to make sure uh, that a number of facilities across the country are protected, that the Supreme Court justices themselves are physically protected. And, and that's an era that's new in American politics, maybe that we haven't seen uh, in my lifetime. Certainly, you have to go back to the 1960s to see a time when we saw violence uh, sort of entering the conversation in American life as to the degree that we're seeing it enter since January 6th. And I think uh, there's there's deep concern uh, on all sides about uh, what could happen in a, in a country that is as bitterly divided as it is now with a, a flashpoint ruling that we have from the Supreme Court and the intensity of emotion on all sides. D.C. police saying they're going to increase their presence throughout the city here, Shep, and that gives you a sense of the mood uh, as we await the president. The juxtaposition of the two sides on this outside the Supreme Court, and there was a striking juxtaposition yesterday in Washington uh, as the gun law, the, the same Supreme Court, struck down New York State's concealed handgun law, which required a series of measures and make it very difficult to get a concealed firearm in the state of New York. That law was struck down uh, at the same time that the House of Representatives was waiting to vote 
on gun restrictions and legislation that's uh, seen as historic and the first of its kind in 30 years. I mention this because I've just gotten word that the vote on that in the House of Representatives, the vote on the gun restrictions which have been discussed over the past couple of days, will begin in about 14 minutes, 12.50 Eastern time. The vote they expect to continue for, for some time and we should see results about one hour from now on what has been billed as historic gun legislation uh, that doesn't ban assault weapons, it, it, it doesn't create a, a change the minimum age to, to buy guns, but it does close what they call the boyfriend loophole and it does put some other restrictions into place. Uh, say what you will about whether you think it belongs there or not, uh, it, it is the first move of its kind in about 30 years in the United States on the heels of the, the massacre in Buffalo, New York of largely African-American people at a top supermarket there. And then just days later, uh, the, the, the massacre at, a, at, Dob, at uh, Dobbs Elementary School, ha Hobbs Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas, Rob Elementary School, where so many children and their teachers lost their lives. The president is walking now to the podium. We'll hear from him live. Today is a, uh, it's not hyperbole to suggest a very solemn moment. Today, the Supreme Court of the United States expressly took away a constitutional right from the American people that it had already recognized. They didn't limit it, they simply took it away. That's never been done to a right so important to so many Americans. But they did it. It's a sad day for the court and for the country. Fifty years ago, Roe v. Wade was decided and has been the law of the land since then. This landmark case protected a woman's right to choose, her right to make intensely personal decisions with her doctor, free from the, inter from the interference of politics. It reaffirmed basic principles of equality, that women have the power to control their own destiny, and it reinforced a fundamental right of privacy, the right of each of us to choose how to live our lives. Now, with Roe gone, Let's be very clear, the health and life of women in this nation are now at risk. As chairman and ranking member of the Senate Judiciary Committee, as vice president and now as president of the United States, I've studied this case carefully. I've overseen more Supreme Court confirmations than anyone today, where this case was always discussed. I believe Roe v. Wade was the correct decision as a matter of constitutional law and application of the fundamental right to privacy and liberty in matters of family and personal autonomy. It was a decision on a complex matter that drew a careful balance between a woman's right to choose earlier in her pregnancy and the state's ability to regulate later in her pregnancy. A decision with broad national consensus that most Americans of faith and backgrounds found acceptable, and that have been the law of the land for most of the lifetime of Americans today. And it was a constitutional principle upheld by justices appointed by Democrat and Republican presidents alike. Roe v. Wade was a 7-2 decision written by a justice appointed by a Republican president, Richard Nixon. In the five decades that followed Roe v. Wade, justices appointed by Republican presidents from Eisenhower, Nixon, and Reagan 
George W. Bush were among the justices who voted to uphold the principles set forth in Roe v. Wade. It was three justices named by one president, Donald Trump, who were the core of today's decision to upend the scales of justice and eliminate a fundamental right for women in this country. Make no mistake, this decision is a culmination of a deliberate effort over decades to upset balance of our law. It's a realization of an extreme ideology and a tragic error by the Supreme Court, in my view. The Court has done what it has never done before, expressly take away a constitutional right that is so fundamental to so many Americans that it had already been recognized. The Court's decision to do so will have real and immediate consequences. State laws banning abortion are automatically taking effect today, jeopardizing the health of millions of women, some without exceptions. So extreme that women could be punished for protecting their health. So extreme that women and girls were forced to bear their rapist child. With the child a consequence. It just, it just stuns me. So extreme that doctors will be criminalized for fulfilling their duty to care. Imagine having a young woman have to carry the child of incest as a consequence of incest. No option. Too often the case, the poor women are going to be hit the hardest. It's cruel. In fact, the court laid out state laws criminalizing abortion that go back to the 1800s <laughs> as rationale. The court literally taking America back 150 years. This is a sad day for the country, in my view. But it doesn't mean the fight's over. Let me be very clear and unambiguous. The only way we can secure a woman's right to choose the balance that existed is for Congress to restore the protections of Roe v. Wade as federal law. No executive action from the president can do that. And if Congress, as it appears, lacks the vote to votes to do that now, voters need to make their voices heard. This fall, we must elect more senators and representatives who will codify woman's right to choose into federal law once again. Elect more state leaders to protect this right at the local level. We need to restore the protections of Roe as law of the land. We need to elect officials who will do that. This fall, Roe is on the ballot. Personal freedoms are on the ballot. The right to privacy, liberty, equality, they're all on the ballot. Until then, I will do all of my power to protect a woman's right in states where they will face the consequences of today's decision. While the court's decision cast a dark shadow over a large swath of the land, many states in this country still recognize a woman's right to choose. So, if a woman lives in a state that restricts abortion, the Supreme Court's decision does not prevent her from traveling from her home state to the state that allows it. It does not prevent a doctor 
in that state, in that state, from treating her. As the Attorney General has made clear, women must remain free to travel safely to another state to seek care they need. My administration will defend that bedrock right. If any state or local official, high or low, tries to interfere with a woman's ex exercise and her basic right to travel, I will do everything in my power to fight that deeply un-American attack. My administration will also protect a woman's access to medications that are approved by the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, like contraception, which is essential for preventative health care, mifeprestone, which the FDA approved 20 years ago to safely end early pregnancies and is commonly used to treat miscarriages. Some states are saying that they'll try to ban or severely restrict access to these medications. But extremist governors and state legislators are looking to block the mail or search a person's medicine cabinet or control a woman's actions by tracking data on her apps she uses are wrong and extreme and out of touch with the majority of Americans. The American Medical Association the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists wrote to me and Vice President Harris stressing that these laws are not based on are not based on evidence and asking us to act to protect access to care. They say by limiting access to these medicines, maternal mortality will climb in America. That's what they say. Today, I'm directing the Department of Health and Human Services to take steps to ensure these critical medications are available to the fullest extent possible. And the politicians cannot interfere in the decisions that should be made between a woman and her doctor. And my administration will remain vigilant as the implications of this decision play out. I've warned about how this decision risks the broader right to privacy for everyone. That's because Roe recognized the fundamental right to privacy that has served as a basis for so many more rights that have come to take, we've come to take for granted, that are ingrained in the fabric of this country. The right to make the best decisions for your health. The right to use birth control, a married couple in the privacy of their bedroom, for God's sake. The right to marry the person you love. Justice Thomas said as much today. He explicitly called to reconsider the right of marriage equality, the right of couples to make their choices on contraception. This extreme and dangerous path the court is now taking us on. Let me close with two points. First, I call on everyone, no matter how deeply they care about this decision, to keep all protests peaceful. Peaceful, peaceful, peaceful. No intimidation. Violence is never acceptable. Threats and intimidation are not speech. We must stand against violence in any form, regardless of your rationale. Second, I know so many of us are frustrated and disillusioned that the court has taken something away that's so fundamental. I know so many women are now going to face incredibly difficult situations. I hear you. I support you. I stand with you. 
the consequences and the consensus of the American people, core principles of equality, liberty, dignity, and the stability of the rule of law demand that Roe should not have been overturned. With this decision, the conservative majority of the Supreme Court shows how extreme it is, how far removed they are from the majority of this country. They've made the United States an outlier among developed nations in the world. But this decision must not be the final word. My administration will use all of its appropriate lawful powers. But Congress must act. And with your vote, you can act. You can have the final word. This is not over. Thank you very much. More to say this in weeks to come. Thank you. The president saying there is no way to codify abortion rights with executive action that we must look to November's election. The president noting in his estimation, privacy, birth control and marriage rights are all at risk. That could raise alarm bells across the country. Uh, Eamon Javers, our senior Washington correspondent, live with us now. Shep, an impassioned and at times angry president of the United States there speaking his mind, saying he believes that Roe versus Wade was the correct decision and ending on an explicitly political call to action, saying your vote can make the difference. That is, if you are upset with what the Supreme Court did today, vote for Democrats in the fall. That's the message from the president of the United States. And uh, of course, it represents now, Shep, the complete evolution of a politician who did not always feel that way. Uh, Joe Biden is a deeply faithful practicing Catholic who has over generations sought to find some kind of a middle ground on abortion. Back in 1973, when Roe versus Wade was initially decided, uh, Biden said that he thought that the Supreme Court had gone too far. That's not what you heard from Joe Biden today, of course. At, at one point, uh, Joe Biden uh, was in favor of the Hatch Act, which bans federal funding for abortions. He changed his position on that when the politics of it became untenable. Uh, that's not the politician you heard today. Uh, Joe Biden has now really picked a side after decades of not of trying not to do that uh, and deciding that the politics of the moment, uh, his presidency, all that is on the line for the society required him to give the speech that you just saw him give. No nuance there from the president of the United States on the abortion issue today. Sure. Not at all, Eamon. A sad day for the court, said the president, a ruling that shows it is out of step with the U.S. majority. We'll have comprehensive coverage tonight on the news, 7 o'clock Eastern, 6 Central, right after Jim Cramer on CNBC with this story and all the day's headlines. For now, it's back to the markets where we're having a fantastic day. Frank Holland in Halftime Report. Hi, Frank. Uh, Shepard, thank you very much for that. And, of course, we will continue to follow this historic story, the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade by a 5-4 to four vote. Uh, we'll continue to follow it not only here on air, but as well as on CNBC.com. But as you mentioned, we're going to now take a look at the markets right now. Big rally today on Wall Street right now. All three major indices up in the green over 2%. The Dow up over 600 points. The S&P and the Nasdaq both rallying almost up 2.5% along with the Russell 2000. We're also continuing to watch bond movements right now. Big day on the markets. I'm joined by right now in the studio with Jim Liebenthal. Thank you for being here. Also, Steve Weiss and John Nigerian. Uh, I want to start with you, Jim. What are you seeing today? What's working? Why are we seeing this big rally on the markets? 
Well, let me let me go to your last question. Why are we seeing this big rally and what does it mean? Is this is this the start of a bull market? It can't be answered right now. Is it a bull market or a bear market rally? The reason that question can't be answered as much as I want to is there's two underlying questions at the heart of it. One is what's going on with inflation. There's a lot of indications that inflation may have peaked. You look at lumber, copper, even crude oil. You look at inventories and their impact on stores like Target. Um, The problem is what I just said, I've been saying for a while. And frankly, I've been wrong. So we've got to wait until the June CPI comes out in two and a half weeks uh, to get a to get a look at what's happening with inflation. The other question that still hangs and is unanswerable right now is what's happening with earnings. The estimates continue to be high and it's confounding a lot of people. Shouldn't the analysts be cutting their estimates? I look at the steel companies, uh, Frank, that uh, last week pre-announced positively. I look at FedEx's earnings and say, well, maybe maybe the analysts aren't that wrong. But still, these questions linger and they're not going to be answered for another couple of weeks. Yeah, as you mentioned, FedEx up 7% right now after a bit mixed earnings, but upbeat forecast for full year EPS. We're now joined by the full investment committee. We have Amy Raskin and Degas Wright joining us as well. Everybody's here. Degas, I want to come over to you. What are you seeing today? Why do you think we're seeing this rally on Wall Street? I believe Degas may be having some technical problems. Amy, you're next up. Um, Why do you think we're seeing this rally on Wall Street, especially right now we're seeing in the small caps, the Russell 2000 outperforming all the others? Um, Well, I think it just got overdone. Expectations for a recession just were baked in. Um, Some of these small cap stocks that have really good fundamental earnings were just getting thrown out, the baby getting thrown out with the bathwater. I think, um, you know, I think nine out of 10 people that you talk to right now expect a recession. Um, The markets are expecting it. So a lot of bad news is already baked into this market. Um, The expectations for Fed futures have gone from three rate hikes to 16. Um, So I think we're due for we're due for a rally and we're getting it. A lot of questions about have we actually hit the bottom. Steve, what do you think? I don't think so. I think that this is a bear market rally. Look, Amy hit the nail on the head that we hit maximum bearishness. And instead of people coming up to me and saying, hey, what should I buy here? They're saying, how much lower can the market go? So that sums up in a nutshell. But look, we may get a lower CPI in the next uh, couple of weeks. We may not. If we do, the market will rally. Right now, you're in sort of this news void where we've gone through the FOMC. We've got earnings that are about to come out in another few weeks. So there's no more negative information than we've got that was pretty negative. So if you can trade it skillfully, have at it. But I'm not a buyer of this market. I have not been a buyer. As a matter of fact, I was a seller uh, last week. I sold my OVV when oil started to roll over. I said, as soon as momentum died, I'm getting out of it. I sold the remainder of uh, Volkswagen and Porsche. Just face it, with the consumer confidence numbers today, the consumer's not going to be buying expensive cars or any cars. So I'm content to sit in cash and wait for it to play out a little more. Fed's going to be very, very aggressive, and they're going to overshoot on rate increases. All right. One thing we know we've seen the bottom of is consumer sentiment Uh, came out today. 50 lowest read since all the way back in 1952 when this whole thing started. John, I see you nodding your head over there. What do you what do you think of that? Mm -hmm. What is that making you think right now about the markets? Well, I think that sentiment is so low, Frank, because of all the inflationary issues that the other panelists have discussed. And uh, even though I love them, I'm going to disagree with Stephen. I do not think that the Fed is going to risk overshooting as much, Stephen. And that's why we've seen the rates come down so dramatically this week. We peaked at 348 on the 10-year last Thursday. This morning, we got as low as 304 
That's a 13% drop in a week for the tenure. The reason, just like Rabobank is saying right now, is because they think the Fed, by the time we get to September, they're done. They're not going to be able to keep applying the same pressure they have. If they do, then Stephen will be right, and they will drive us into a recession, which is one of the ways to deal with inflation at these levels, Frank. But if you do that, the other side of their mandate is employment, and they will crush employment if they drive us into that recession, and I hope they don't do it. The market's saying right now they don't believe the mar that the Fed will do it either. Yeah, inflation word of the day yesterday when Jay Powell was on Capitol Hill. Degas, I believe you're up and running right now. What's your take on the rally that we're seeing today? Yeah, so, well, the rally is probably a relief rally given that uh, where we've been with the overall market. Uh, because, you know, I'm on, I guess, uh, with Steve on this in that I see uh, recession looming. And so this is a relief rally. And what we also see is that in my hometown of Atlanta, Georgia, we have a Federal Reserve here that actually forecasted a GDP growth of zero percent. So we may be getting close to that negative economic growth mm -hmm. that we're all uh, in fear of. All right. Uh, only a few minutes left in the show. Obviously, a, a much shortened show. Historic news out of the Supreme Court today. Really quick, uh, J.P. Morgan out with a note saying the market could push up 7% next week due to the Russell 1000 rebalancing and a few other factors. I'm just going to go around the horn one time. Jim, do you see a 7% jump in the markets next week? <laughs> well, I, I think it's hard to make a call like that. And as bold as I am on many calls, I'm not going to make that call, Frank. Um, look, I, I think, as I said earlier, the question is out. Is this a bear market rally or the start of a bull? And we just don't have the evidence. We're not going to have it in the next week. Can we go higher from here? Yeah, because it's probably likely that over the weekend, some people will look at today's rally and say, yeah, maybe we were too pessimistic and pessimistic and jump in. But 7% in a week, I mean, anybody who's going to make that call, I, that's a hard call to make. J.P. Morgan made it. Uh, Amy, I'm going to come over to you. Any boldness on your side? I know, not 7% in a week. I'm not going to make that call either. But I do think this can continue um, for a little bit longer. That said, we're going to be in pre-announcement season pretty soon. And my guess is that the pre-announcements are going to be more vigorous in Q2 than they have been in the past. So um, it's going to be it's going to be a bumpy ride. In all fairness, it was up to 7%. I want to make sure I'm quoting it correctly. <laughs> um, John, I'm going to come over to you. You're nodding once again. Yeah, I, uh, I think that the other panelists are correct that we are likely to top out until we get the inputs that Jim suggests. Um, that doesn't mean I think that we're going to pull all the way back down, because unless the Fed really comes out and pounds the table for those significantly higher rates forever into the future, Frank, um, mm -hmm. I do think they take a pause in September. So I think between now and those updates uh, to outlooks that Amy just spoke of, that and the CPI, I think we're going to see a sideways market, not a 7% rally next week. All right, Weiss, we're giving you last word very quickly. Yeah, look, if you haven't uh, been listening to the analysts, and I'm guessing this is one of the analysts' strategies said, buy every dip that's happened, all thousand dips in the last year, then now's a good time to start ignoring them. This is just a headline-grabbing uh you know, event. The analyst strategist wants to get some attention. Ignore it. Keep your own counsel and play right. it safe. All right, we're going to have to leave it there. Again, we continue to follow that historic news out of the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade. And now we want to take one last look at the markets up all across the board, up about two to two and a half percent, all the major indices. And now we want to hand things over to the exchange with Kelly Evans. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. 
can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.